This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. It's Tia. It's been a Mississippi minute, but we bite, baby. What's up, Pink Posse? It's your girl, Josh. And yep, we back at it like a crack at it. It's your girl, Jiggy. A.K.A. Tanika, listen, pull up on us. It's time to cut up, because we back. What's up, Pink Posse? It's your girl, Koji, and we're back. Pink Sunday Radio. Well, hello, hello, hello. It is Koji, and we're back for another episode of Pink Sunday Radio. Last night, we rewatched The Trap, episode four of season one. I have my girls on the line. We have Janika. Girl, I said Janika. Lord Jesus, I didn't put y'all names together. Ja. Hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get through an episode without clownery? Oh, my God. Tia, are you here? Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Okay, Tanika. I'm here. Hey, y'all. Okay, so I see the chat is filling up, okay? So y'all make sure you log in, create a free account so that you can chat with us. So 104, The Trap. The director was Tamara Davis. It was written by Katori Hall. The cinematographer was Richard Violet for ballet. The, I want to give a shout out this week to the hair department and um, the stylists and costumes and stuff. So we have Pam Hall, who's the hair department head, Arlene Martin, key hairstylist. Steve Martin is the makeup department head, um, music supervisor, of course, Sarah Bromberg, as well as Stephanie Diaz-Machos. The music producer for this episode was Matthew Head. Now, before I get into the disclaimer and the flow of the show, I do want to remind you guys to make sure that you vote for P-Valley NAACP Image Awards. They're nominated for six categories. Um, I don't think I need to go over that because you guys should know. But then again, the people, first-time listeners or people who are on social media, P-Valley is nominated for Best Drama Series Best Actor and Actress in a Drama Series, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress in a Drama Series, as well as um, Soundtrack Compilation Out. Also, we were nominated for a GLAAD Award. So, high five, kudos to our show. Also, the Best, I mean, the Music Supervisor Guild, we've been nominated for two awards there, Best Song Written Produced for TV Show, and Best Supervisor, Sarah Bromberg, Stephanie Diaz-Matos, so I will let Ja take it away with the flow of the show as well as our disclaimer. 
All right, Pink Posse, please mute your phones when you are not talking to prevent background noise as much as possible. We definitely want to hear what you have to say. However, try to be as concise as possible. That means brief and yet comprehensive. Once your point is made, we may disconnect you, but please hit us back if you would like to speak on another topic. And now I would like to give you a brief disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or position of any entities they they represent unless specifically quoted. This show is rated mature for language and subject. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, then. I would just like to say that disclaimer is so great. Um, Very professional job. Thank you. Um, So let's get it started with our first topic of the episode. Keyshawn and Freckles say that whole thing. Now, I said last night, because I think we talked a lot about this episode on the timeline, of course, but last night I was just like, the bank teller that was talking with uh, Haley when she brought the money, and she made that little comment, and it was after the whole Freckles scene. I was like, if Freckles, her husband, you know, everything is so intentional on the show. But what do you guys thought? Do you have any other thoughts that you picked up from last night rewatching? I'll start off with you, Tia. Um, one of the things that I think I, I banked in the back of my mind the first couple of times I watched the scene, but I saw it again last night. I feel like this is the first time that we've ever seen um, Mississippi have negative thoughts about stripping, and I almost feel like it's the only time because I feel like in every other context we get after this, The idea is she loves stripping because it's the one place where she's able to be herself and she has the confidence. And as she explained to Rome later, she's giving people the fantasy with having control over it. And I just thought it was interesting that when Freckles said all he said and then her and Mercedes had the conversation after, this is, for me, the first and only time I've actually seen Mississippi have any negative thoughts about it. Do you guys think she has negative thoughts about it or she just let Freckles get to her for a minute? Well, I think that she just has no confidence right now because she hasn't been the main person. And I think she's still trying to figure out her place within the club. Um, She's used to being in the Trinity. I mean, uh, what is it? Salmonella or whatever. Um, But I think, you know, there's still a lot of overwhelming emotions going on, and it isn't until she's under those bright lights and, you know, the power of it all, she really sort of embraces it. So go ahead, John. I think you were fixing to say something. Well, what I'm thinking, I do believe that it is up there on that pole that she feels, you know, free, you know, flying, in control, you know, and amazing. But um, thinking now back to her upbringing, you know, she was uh, raised in a, you know, wealthy home. Her father probably has some type of respectable job. Um, You know, Derek came from a wealthy family. So 
this probably sometimes feels like, you know, um, a fall from grace, so to say. So to have this man in her ear, you know, degrading her, which is crazy because, like I said on the timeline last night, you came here, got dressed up, stood in the line for however long, paid your twinky dollars to get up in here and and then try to say that this girl is degrading herself and giving her, sir, get this girl her dang on money, get your lame ass up out of here, and go about your day. But I think it's easy for us sometimes to fall prey to the opinions of others, even when we, are, when we are confident in who we are. I think every now and then someone's voice can get to us, but I just think um, this is just one of those type of moments. But ultimately I think she does find her power and her strength and, like, and her peace in um, the tank. But um, what do you think, Tanika? Um, I think I agree with that. It was maybe, you know, she's at a place where she's easily influenced by what someone might say or be thinking about her just at that period of time. I think what what Mercedes sat there and said to her also kind of influenced her thinking. So I I, I think her thoughts on it are, are changing. I do think that's the place where she feels most confident and most free because I mean her her home life isn't any of those things um as far as freckles first of all I'm not understanding his correlation between giving a homeless person a million dollars and paying a stripper <laughs> to take off his, her clothes like what is he what are you talking about how does that equate that uh, mm, no um also he should have been out the club so how he was still around to be front row center when Mercedes had her big moment at the end of the night, he Diamond should took his ass all the way out the door and on the street like he did Jesse. Um, but the, the the final thing question that I had about this scene was Mercedes and her little um, feel away or sex work or or whatever you want to call it because she told. Uh, Keyshawn that at least they weren't doing porn as though that was something worse than the job that they have in order to make Keyshawn feel better in this moment um, about being a stripper. So I didn't um, – I was questioning Mercedes and how she really feels about being a stripper more so than I was questioning Keyshawn and how she felt about it. But I think he said, actually, um, I think what she said was he's going to be going home to watch porn and that's not us. I thought she was meaning we're not about to go home and, you know, only have porn, I guess, to keep us warm at night. So I totally took that statement a whole other way. Oh, okay. So she said – yeah, he's going to watch porn, and at least we're not doing that. So I took it as at least we're not doing porn. Mm. Yeah, I feel the same way um, Tanika does on this, just because sometimes I feel like um, Sadie's views certain things as um, better 
worse, you know, and it almost feels like she thought that porn was the bottom of the barrel of sex work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you guys are stripping, but you're just not on TV. You're showing your breast. You're showing your ass. You know, you are satisfying men through a lens of in-person interaction, okay? So I I did take it like that, Tamika. Um, yeah, I really did. Very good. And I feel like Mercedes thinks of it. So I think this is part of the whole hater, judgmental vibe we get from Mercedes at this point in the series because she seems to have all of these, like, judgmental or, like, it's beneath me thoughts about stuff, like, until she does it. Mm -hmm. Like, she doesn't do prostitution or whatever, but you have what's basically a prostitution deal with Coach, and suddenly it's okay because she needs the gym, so it's okay to have this deal with Coach, but any other time, if it's somebody else involved, she's judging it, like with roulette or even how she gets, like, angry if someone even suggests that she might do anything sexual, like, beyond stripping for money, but yet you do you did do something beyond stripping for money, but in her mind, she, like, rationalized it because it's for my gym and the girls, but if it's anybody else, she totally would have judged them for it, or she totally does judge them for it. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think it's a great point to how sometimes um, in our lives we have opinions Mm -hmm. on what we would and would not do or how Mm -hmm. we would handle something, and it's not until you are in that place that that changed. I definitely feel like Mercedes had found herself, like you're right, her personality is definitely very judgmental of the part of sex work that involves actual sex. But it's later when she finds herself feeling desperate that she actually turns to the very thing that she judges as her to try to save her. Mm. And unfortunately still winds up ass out in the end, but... That's another episode. Mm-hmm. She really did. Okay. So does anybody else have any final thoughts, or can we move on to, I mean, it's Mercedes again, but I think she was very, this between her, Mercedes, I mean, between Mercedes, Silk, and Murda, I just think this was such a big episode for all of them. So we will be discussing Mercedes and Mississippi quite a bit. Um, But her gym, her dream, this is her dream, this is her gym. And somebody said on the timeline that she was dancing for seven years and only saved up $20,000. I mean, I know she have a house, she have a car. Um, It seemed like that's one of the cash cars type thing. But um, are you surprised at all about the stacking of the money, like that it was that amount. And it seems like that she wants to buy it. She doesn't want to leave, you know. Um, but I guess 20000 down and, you know. So what do y'all want to talk I about? I 100% have always had an issue with this. Not mentioned it in a couple of rewatches and even back when I was on Facebook because I was like, why did it take her seven years to raise $20,000, like, I can't imagine that if she has a mortgage on that house that it's very high. Like you said, 
I would assume that her car is a cash car, even if it's not the payment on that could have never been high and it's definitely paid off after seven years. She doesn't live an expensive lifestyle. Like what she talked about with Gidget in Mississippi, she's not the Louis Vuitton, Louis Vuitton, like she's not that girl. She really just be working and then trying to figure out how to get her daughter back. So $20,000, that's $239 a month. And I think it's weird from the standpoint, like I get it's a small town and all of that, but this is like the only strip club in like the center of like a major expressway and a lot of stuff like that. So typically those type of clubs do very well because that's where the traffic is going past. And there's not another pink or something like that, like real close. So I've always thought like, what are you doing? You have your own night, you've got regulars and you have a champagne. We've seen champagne rooms, VIP room, paradise room be a thousand dollars, even if it was $500. Like, cause in my mind, her monthly bills couldn't be more than four, 5,000 a month. And I can't see her not clearing six to 8,000 a month at the pink. So I've always wondered why. And to that end, I've always felt, and maybe this is too much, I always felt like coach, like if you're trying to stack very specifically for your daughter and you're not at mm-hmm. a point right now where you're even being able to see your daughter in regular places, mm-hmm. I always felt like she should have went to Atlanta or Memphis or Houston or a bigger city and stacked for real and then had some real money to come back and get her daughter back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also maybe she sent some money to Maine. You know, maybe maybe she was helping them out on the books every month. We have to consider that too. She better not have been putting oh. no money on that nigga's books. <laughs> Mercedes don't even seem like that type of person. Like I can't even really see Mercedes putting no money on no. Come on, guys. Girl. Come on. jail books. She helped. She been on no. Maine. She been on Maine for years. She was trying to help that man mm-hmm. get through jail. Um, and you Absolutely know, not. a lot of people are saying, Absolutely not. Because think of what they said. No, think about what they said later on when um, Mercedes was in jail. And Gid is like, she wouldn't have left y'all out here like that. And when Haley asked later, she says, Would she really have helped? And she was like, Girl, no. Mercedes is not that girl who's like, oh, you know, but what I do think, you know, like I don't see it because Gidget is her, her girl, her sister or whatever. If Gid is like, absolutely not, what would be the, I mean, she ain't even, Maine ain't even laying no pipe at her house, according you know to what? the verbiage here. Listen. So, listen, you know what? You guys, maybe she was paying child support to Shell, you know? Maybe now, she that's was doing that, too. No, and that's what I think. I think either, and if not child support, I would, I would see, because Mercedes is almost, like, not sure what to do as a parent, it looks like, at first. So I could see Mercedes throughout time. She would be that mother who was, like, buying her baby, like, some Jordans and, you know, little things like that or something. I could see her definitely, uh, if, because she's guilt feels guilty for not really being there, trying to buy or even try to match mm-hmm. Shell because clearly Shell has money. So I could see her sometimes being like, well, 
I got to prove a point, you know, so let me do this. And, you know, and then maybe after maturing, she's like, you know, I need to take some real steps. But, yeah, I I wanted to give her some, what TSA shoot her some bail. I wanted to try that yes. and say, you know, <laughs> maybe they don't make a lot of as much money as we think. You know, she's got bills, you know, mm-hmm. uh, she's got to pay the bartender and DJ Never Scared and Yoli and her snaggle tooth as bottle girls and, you know, whoever else. So maybe after all of that, you know, and then her mama, like her mama is literally showing up sometimes and, and why me, Lord, why me? Man, where does she live? In her way into Sadie's pocket. You know, I think so Tanzania that said that on the timeline that she thinks her mom had been taking her money like regularly, even before the church fund, like, had been regularly, like, sticking her daughter up for her money. Okay. Yeah. And that is and that is very sad. Tanika, do you want to add on to anything, um, the, so, the change of the subscription model or anything? Yes. So I think we had a lot of, like, financial questions in this episode, because to me, that $200 a month or $250 a month that the, the realtor suggested, like, is that realistic for this small town broke Chuckalisa that she's going to get 20 girls to pay that amount every month for a dance class? Like, to me, that didn't seem something that was going to happen regularly, even without COVID coming down the road soon. Like, this this model that she had didn't seem like something that was going to be able to be long-term in small-town Chuckalisa to me. Do you think, I always thought I feel like those this girls, was a bad idea. The gym, I always thought it was a bad idea. Go ahead, Jeff. My thought was just like, it looks like these girls are girls who are mainly in Terrica's, kind of like their classmates and, you know, hang together. So judging by the type of house that Terrica lives in, Maybe these girls are girls from that neighborhood, maybe minus a couple of them. But I definitely thought um, she didn't have enough going to offer with $250 a month. I don't think she had enough. I don't think she had fleshed it out. Like, I kind of agreed with the realtor. Like, even, like, she's talking about it, and she's got some loose ideas, but I don't think she had fleshed it out. And, I, like, my son has been in sports since he was five. And 250, even, he's about to turn 18, 250 then was kind of cheap. <laughs> so now we also have always lived in big cities. We were living in Atlanta at the time. So it is a little different. But once you get everything else, that. The price is not so much that. I just don't think she ever flushed it out. Like, not everybody's going to be a Chuckalisa challenger, like, which is kind of what was her focus. So what else do you have there? Not everybody's parent wants their child to be a Chuckalisa challenger. So what else are you offering that, that that's going to support that price point, like y'all have said, even for a more affluent family in a town like that? Yeah, I feel like she's trying to give, um, what's that, Dancing Dog, or what is that show? Mm-hmm. It's in a smaller yes. town. So maybe that's kind of the angle because it, I think, um, I can't even remember her name, Miss D or something like that. 
she yeah, had yeah, Coach D. Like, so I think maybe the idea was kind of like that. However, they haven't really shown us a different landscape of the town to make us believe that there's enough girls and that that subscription model would work. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I get the idea of trying to make it like a dancing doll type thing in a small town. Um, but I don't think it would have worked for her. I agree. Okay. But so I will say that routine was cute in that little scene. I like that song. Oh, the dance. They was giving it. Mm, mm. Yes. And I do have to say bye to all the haters on the timeline who oh, said wow. that the Compton Clovers would want my chuckle right. Well, my question uh, is uh, why do South Haven Sicilians keep whooping their ass if they so great? That's all my Hello. question. Oh, oh, wow, that's crazy. I just have one. Whatever, hater. <laughs> you know, you bringing up that dry time. But here's a question I've thought about. So Mercedes has changed her focus, and she's decided to do the poll classes for women. So now... What is it for girls like Terika and the other girl, uh, the child who uh, was so much? Inside? Like, what are they going to do now? Taylor, you talking about Taylor? Yeah, Taylor. Yeah. You know, yeah. and the rest of the crew. What what do they have? I think it would be nice um, if she still tries to do both. You know, because I thought what she mm-hmm. wanted to do was be a mentor to these girls as well, mm-hmm. so that maybe they don't end up down the path that she felt like she had to go due to the things that she had going on with her mother. So now it's just like, now what the, now what the Chuck Elisa Challenger is going to do, especially mm-hmm. Terrica, because clearly she needs some um, outlets and tennis is not her strong suit. It really isn't. Baby, see <laughs> Okay. So, Does anybody want to add anything else to this topic? Last thing I will say, I think what she should do, and maybe they'll explore this in season three, is mm-hmm. I think that it should do all of the things. <laughs> like, it, there should be dance classes for some of the younger people. There should be pole classes or even dancing, whatever. And I agree with something that Haley told her, like, later on, that she should have some, not necessarily investors, but there are other people in Chuckalisa that know how to do other things. Like, there's probably mm-hmm. someone in Chuckalisa that does ballet. Have them mm-hmm. come on, rent yeah. some time or some space, and do a ballet class. There's probably someone that does another type of dance. There's a lot she can do with that space and really, really make bank. Yeah, because it's a it's a beautiful space, you know. Uh-huh. I mean, it really is. So why not expand on that? Uh, because I'm trying to figure out who who all these people from the town coming to swing on the pole. <laughs> Hopefully, some of them people who auditioned in season two. Cause, uh... okay, maybe uh, maybe Sarah maybe Sarah will bring some of her girls to the small town and then help that. Okay, what? I like that thought. Well, okay, I finally came up with something good because y'all always shade me, 50 million yes. times a day. 
So you thank you, you so told you a round of applause, y'all. y'all. Congrats, oh, told you. Thank it's you. It's not shade. It I is gentle it. correction. Gentle correction. <sighs> anyway, thank you, John. Appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we moving on. Let's move on to, <laughs> oh, God. Sister Patrice at the bank. Um I think, Ja, you mentioned the kind of feather. This was feather number two. It was the pastor with the feather. And, I mean, for me, and I think me and Ja discussed this in the production meeting, I feel like Patrice was, has kind of, had already kind of decided that she was going to undermine Sadie. Like, do y'all feel that she had when she was getting all that money out, when she was draining that account, did you think at that time, okay, I'm fixing no kid, go get this money to my daughter, and da, 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 or do you feel like, nah, I'm taking this money? She already made up her decision. Um, I'm not sure if I think she had decided to undermine Mercedes at this point, but mm-hmm. I don't think she ever really had any intentions of giving her that money back because it was too many questions about what your ass little ass needed for. Mm-hmm. If she was intended to give it back to her, it didn't matter what she needed it for. Mm-hmm. I don't think she knew what she wanted to do with that 20000 at this point. I don't think that was till later until um, – when Pastor Gilfield was manhandling her into that other room and telling her she might have to find another church, that she decided what she wanted to do with that money. But to me, there was never any intentions to return this to Mercedes. I don't think there was ever any intention to return it to Mercedes. I don't necessarily think she was going to steal it, but I think she always intended on playing the my daughter gives all this money to the church as leverage for her to eventually get into the pulpit. So I think it changed from she wanted to keep it because once Mercedes took it out, if she had stayed at the church, then I'm sure that would have been a point of contention. Like, so your daughter took all her money out and she's not giving any money anymore. I think whatever she was trying to plot with Pastor Gilfield would have been over. So I don't know if she had planned on stealing it from that point, but I agree that she never intended on giving it back. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I noticed was for me, I agree. I don't think she ever was going to give Mercedes the money back, and I know I've seen it on the timeline and even on the personal conversation um, I've had over the weekend, this goes back to a lot of issues that sometimes um, I've heard about mothers being jealous of daughters. And I think Patrice never wants to, in, she's in her search, right, for redemption. She's in her search for um, raising her name from out of the streets up on high, right? And Mercedes has a plan to do that for herself. And so I always, I do feel like she never planned to give her the money back, especially once she knew what she wanted to do with it because the Mercedes would be rising up and she would still feel like she was below. However, I do feel like um, a lot of the big things that happen on the show, they, they what I call breadcrumb us a little bit. So like you said, we got first feather in the one episode, in the second feather, then these conversations, and it leads to that situation where 
uh, Pastor Gilfield was outside his rabid-ass mind jerking her around in the pulpit and everything to making that final decision when he, when he himself says, you best find another church. And so um, I definitely think she wasn't, like I said, I agree with everyone that she wasn't going to give the money back, but I don't think she had already made that decision. I think these moments are what gave her that idea, you know, throughout. And she never respected what Mercedes did or what she was going to do with the money. So even if she wasn't going to do anything with it, she wasn't she wasn't going to give it to Mercedes because she doesn't really respect anything Mercedes does. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Definitely doesn't respect anything. I mean, she used Mercedes so much when she was a uh, when she was a child that. Um, I think, I mean, I said it last night, that hate and bitterness for her is so real because I don't know when she broke off from her mom and, and moved out and everything else, but that independence is a real, real pain for Patrice Woodbine. And I think it almost felt like, it almost feels like some kind of competition with your own daughter. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I need to establish myself before you. You know, this is my calling. This is, instead of you, I mean, that was just the worst to take her money like that. Um, so I understood why she snatched her weed off, but, uh, you know, that's just me. I know we're not supposed to hit our parents, but whew, I don't know. Um, Who said we not supposed to? I got to? a question. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's that's in the that's in the black people uh that's in the okay. black people rule book. <laughs> Ooh. I guess I gotta get my black card back. Okay. Okay. Wait, I have a question. What? I I have a question that kind of leads on. Do you all think that Patrice always planned to take? her building because I, I kind of feel like she already had decided to keep the money she hasn't been answering Mercedes calls you know she's been giving her the runaround but she literally tells Mercedes hey do you want me to come to the club Mercedes is like no meet me at the building so if she's already decided at least maybe by Pastor Gill you know after that situation what was her purpose of telling this girl to meet her there? Or do you think she got to the building to meet her and then it was like epiphany? Because both I'm like, you've been jerking face chains all day. Yeah, both could actually be true because when you posted that on the timeline last night, I remember when I first watched it, I was thinking that too. Like, and she didn't have no plan for, like, what to tell Mercedes. So you told her to meet you there, and then she got there. <laughs> that whole interaction was funny because, she acting like she was like, she's just saying something simple like, yeah, I ate your leftovers from last night when she's actually saying, <laughs> I took your $20,000 and the space that you were going to, like, I I did all the things. But she was saying it so simple. And then you call her in person, like, what else would you have gotten except an ass whooping? That, like, you know your daughter well enough. So I always thought that, too. I don't know 
if she came there to take the space. I didn't like the way she kind of stepped over the Mercedes glass dance flyer. So I feel like at least when she got out that car, maybe not driving over there, but at least when she got out that car, she said she's not only taking the money, but she's taking the space too. And I think for whatever reason, she thought she could get Mercedes on board. I don't know why, but, you know, this chick is kind of delusional because, like, in jail, we're not there, but in jail she was like, but, you know, I was called, so everything's okay. I think she really thought, like, Mercedes would think that at some point. Yeah, I think I agree with that, but I also think, like, this is Patrice, right, to to bring Mercedes down to this spot where she had this dream and then – let me show you how I'm going to take it away. Let me tell you why here in front of your building that you thought 30 seconds ago was about to be yours, why it's mine now. I think this was just, you know, another way of Patrice doing what she does to Mercedes. That's true. Because a narcissistic person will play in your face all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all all day, damn day. All damn day. Ooh, child. But I will say this. I know we say that like, you agree. I, I was, when I first saw this episode and I saw Mercedes, like, click out, I knew. And low-key, I was rooting for her to punch her mama in the face. I ain't going to lie. Like, I, I would never hit my mama, but... Okay, but my mama yeah, was still twenty thousand either. Patrice yeah, still ain't got the that. Exactly. If you violate, <laughs> you can violate it. I don't care who you are, mom, dad, whoever. You take my twenty stack. It took me seven years. It's gonna take Jesus and twelve other white men to keep me off your ass. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> Okay, that's a good segue. <laughs> like we can move on. Um, damn, Tia, you are funny as fuck. Um, okay, so the poll, which baby, why are you even trying with Haley? That baby cannot do poll. I, I, but anyway, Gidget was helping Haley with her routine, trying to tell her how to fly, which. Yeah, no. And Sip also spills the beans to Gidget once September, October got called into the office with Cliff about how she was asleep during the anesthesiologist, whatever, and she overheard it. So, do y'all have any thoughts on the poll lesson and Mississippi or anything from this thing right here? Uh, Haley just needs to be non-polling like toy because uh, this ain't going to work at all. One thing that stood out to me, though, was um, Gidget saying that flying was about trust and not about strength. And I think Mm -hmm. the last thing that Haley would ever have for anything was trust. So this is definitely not going to work for her. The poll is not her place. That is not where she should be. I agree, but I feel like Haley took something from, because I've been thinking about that thing that Gidget said when she says, in order to um, keep someone, uh, holding your weight and you have to throw your weight around, you know, 
on that pole. And so I think Haley took that a little too close to heart. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can Can anyone else hear me? Koji. I I think Koji's having an issue. So um, when she says to um, go around on that pole, you have to throw your weight. But it wasn't about strength. It was about, you know, throwing your weight around. And I feel like that's the one thing that Haley might have taken to heart because later on, that's what she tried to do, throw her weight around, but I think a little too much, which is, again, why the pole is not the place for her. She didn't even take that metaphor in the proper way. I think the most interesting thing about this scene always, um, we haven't seen much of Gidget so far. Um, I thought it was interesting that she was the one that was assigned to teach her. And, I mean, of course, in other um, contexts, we see Gidget, the character, is does great things on the pole. But I always thought this was a good, I don't know, not departure. I just, that was not the person I was expecting to be teaching the pole. But I liked the interaction between them because there was this little bit of, they may have developed a friendship from the wig store now to the pole, but that never materialized. Mm-hmm. But when I first watched it, I thought this was a cute little thing. Yeah. Do we have I um, I don't think so. We may have uh, lost her for a brief second. So what do you guys think about the conversation um, with Haley and Uncle Clifford in the office, I feel like this was the point at which tables kind of turned. I feel like up until this moment, we've always seen Uncle Clifford, um, you know, and Haley having a combative relationship. And in this moment in the office, I, I always thought it was weird. I'm like, why is Uncle Clifford not talking about this with Big L? She pulls uh September rain in the office, and she's like, um, check this out, you know, this is the pink, and this is this and that and the other, and what do you think it's going to do? She pours her a drink. You know, somehow their relationship has shifted since Haley brought this intel in, and they're like borderline besties in this moment. And I always was like, okay, so what, what was the shift? You know, what do you guys think about that portion in the office? I kind of think, I don't know if I would say there was a shift, but I would say their interaction was less hostile than it has been in other interactions they had had up until this point. Um, I think, I think once they both, hey, Koji. Are you back? You back? Yes. Did y'all continue talking, though? We no, we sat course. here in silence. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, you know what? Don't be sarcastic, okay? Because I'm just trying to figure out what happened. Ugh. Okay, well, I appreciate y'all. The usual happened. So we're discussing we're discussing what happened in the the um, situation with uh, with Haley and Uncle Clifford in the office. 
So that's where we're at. Oh, about her pussy not being that good? We're not there yet, oh. but yes. We're, we're not there yet. <laughs> we're not there yet, but yes. <laughs> so what I was saying, I think this is the first time. I think once they both dug into all of these, like, the what actually was going on with the casino with, as Unc said, the Trumps getting more money than the Jenkins and stuff like that, I think Haley started to... I don't want to. I don't know how to say it. I don't think she liked what Andre and them were doing with the casino at that point. So she was feeling less bad about everything because at this point she's like, whatever her relationship is with Unc, she doesn't co-sign on the way that they are doing people to get this casino there. So I think it was less hostile. I don't know if I would say they were friends at this point. But I think this was more of a partnership of the enemy of the en- enemy of the enemy is my friend. Like we both hate the casino, so let's take them down, kind of thing. More so than an actual like friendship. Um, I think I agree. I think Haley came. I don't. I don't think they were like borderline besties. But I also think Haley is coming into the situation with less hostility and aggression now like she's sitting down she's taking the drink she has her id back so she doesn't have that issue hanging over their interactions so it was it was less of a fight and now it's it's just a conversation than it is you do this for me if you want this thing that i'm holding over you so i mean it lends to them being more like friends than enemies during this conversation but i don't think they were like best friends in this room at all. I don't think that's the relationship that, that, that Cliff and uh, Haley ever had. But um, well, I was being dramatic. <laughs> this was also <laughs> another, we get the question of finances again, because Unc, how is Mercedes' last dance going to help you get out of this debt? Like, that is 55K is not being made in one night with this one dance. Like, what is she talking about? I said that on the timeline last night, too. I'm like, how is it that everything is from the car wash to the last dance? And then even if you go all the way to 210 and they're like, well, it can't be negative because we made all them stacks last night. So theoretically, they're making 25 stacks a night based on if you're, like, kind of piecing together 210. So bring it back to here. Right. So if that's, if that's what you're making, how, first and foremost, how do we get into the debt? Like – now, unlike Mercedes, Unc does have an expensive lifestyle um, as far as not the house and stuff, but the hair, the makeup, the clothes, the purses. Not only is that expensive, but that's like hours a day to get ready from the wigs to the hair to everything else. So is Unc just spending the money badly? Is it the predatory loans? What is it, or are those $25,000 nights few and far in between or 20000 or whatever it is, because you shouldn't even be in debt, let alone not even be able to pay the debt if that's what's happening. And if not, girl, why are you so delusional about this? And then on Big L's side, why haven't y'all fixed this? Because y'all been in business forever. Do you think that um, something that just came to me, since the loan, the predatory loan started with Ernestine, 
Do you think that maybe Ernestine also has bad debt on the house? So, like, you've got That's what Ernestine started so. off with the – okay. So, see, great minds think alike. You know, she already has well, I just Ernestine. I just thought it had something to do with Ernestine, too. Yeah, well, because they do mention ahead, eventually that she gave – extended the um, – that she had the debt first. Remember Uncle Clifford tells her later on, um, I inherited your debt, and then I refinanced that loan because I wanted, you know, uh, a champagne room and not a Zinfandel room. And then, you know, so I feel like maybe also those type of decisions were made on the house. So, like, ultimately the money from the club has to also take care of the club, the home, uh, Ernestine's care, and Uncle Clifford's lavish lifestyle, all her generosities and stuff like that. So I can definitely see those being additional reasons why they're in that type of of debt. So I never yeah, thought that remember, there was any – No, I was just saying about how y'all was, like, thinking Mercedes last dance with the body and all that money. But remember Cliff said – they coming in from the interstate, like you know, they they coming in. They they was gonna make the money. They were gonna make the money, sis. I've never thought that there was any debt on that house. Um, I always felt like that house was passed down, and they own that house outright. They haven't made any repairs or anything. But I do think bad money management has come from Ernestine. And that's pretty much Uncle Clifford, that's who raised her. So if that's what you've seen most of your life, because as you said, he's at, she's been at the knees of people at the pink her whole life. So if Ernestine has ran, well, what was Ernestine's juke joint badly financially, and that's all Unc has ever seen, then she probably inherited those bad money managements. And because there isn't a manager at the paint, because as someone said in the comments, all she ever tell Big L to do is count. I think Big L has tried to be that person, but it, it just never materialized. So who is going to, if Unc learned her, what she learned about money is from Ernestine, who was bad with money, and there's no manager, there's nobody else that does anything at the bank except for her and Big L. Who would she learn better money money management from? You have a point. So, any other thoughts about that? Those different conversations, or the office scene, or I was on mute. even not me. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, I was wait, wait, wait. Let me tell y'all something. You know what? Don't do me because I'm actually trying to make sure y'all don't hear nothing in my background. Okay, so I was saying that let's take a little pause for a family message before we move on because we are an hour and nine minutes in. So let's do friendly message as well as another little special message. Okay? We good? Because I think our mouths are dry. Okay? All right. 
Hey, Pink Posse, it's your girl, Trell, and I'm just stopping by to say that Pink Sunday Radio Show is one of the hottest radio shows out right now, and if you're not already listening, then what are you waiting for? What up, you guys? This is your girl, Kendra, and I'd like to give a shout-out to my girls with Pink Sunday Radio. Love you. Bye. You love P-Valley. Tune in every Sunday to Pink Sunday Radio. Pink Sunday Radio is all about keeping you informed of all things in Katori Hall's universe. With that being said, we have exciting news to share with you, Pink Posse. The Hot Wing King is a 2020 comedy drama play by award-winning playwright Katori Hall. It won a Pulitzer Prize for drama in 2021. The play follows Cordell, his boyfriend, and their friends in Memphis, Tennessee, preparing their culinary entry for the annual Hot Wang Festival. The cast are Nico Annan, Bajorn Dupatti, Miles Alexander Evans, Armand Fields, Jay Jones, and Calvin Thompson. Tickets are available at AllianceTheater.org. The play runs from February 10th through March 5th of 2023. Okay, so as you can see, we've added in a new message, Um, and I want to give so much love, so much love to Kendra and Trail and Tanzania for your family messages. We appreciate it so much. Um, Next week, we're going to add more family into it, so check your inboxes because you never know. I just may be sending you a message to, you know, give us a drop. Okay, so now that we've paused, had a little breather, we're going to move on. I wanted to ask you girls, though, because um, we still have quite a bit of material to cover. So what do y'all think we need to cover within this next 20 minutes? We have, because Andre, Tydell, and Bill conversation, for me, what I p- picked up last night was, Tydale saying um, that, what did he say, in that hood or Pussy Valley, you know, there's a lot of loose lips. And so I found that very interesting. I don't know if anybody wants to pick up on that or if we just want to move on, you know, to Patrice not answering the phone or into Mercedes night. What do y'all think? So I had a couple of questions about this. Uh, Tidal Andre section if y'all wanted to get into that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so so one thing I wondered we've seen the the picture of the the promised land like where the pink was and the land that they needed so I don't even know if my question is appropriate for this episode but where exactly is this Corbin Kyle Canal going because it doesn't make any sense to me from looking at these pictures like the there's a national park between the Kyle land and the Mississippi River so they got permission to dredge a canal between a national park to 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 bring the river to the land that makes absolutely no sense to me because they could have just purchased the land at the the national park why why are we building a canal and who gave them permission to tear down the national park to build the canal 
Tanika, we are not in reality. You know damn well that we cannot get no national park from the government, bitch, okay? Okay, so why why y'all, like, they have shown me this picture five times with this national park right in the middle. Oh, But a canal so is coming. Where is it going? Never, maybe I that. never looked at the pic like that because I never noticed that. But I feel like if Wayne is in charge of the city council, then I don't know. National Park and City Council doesn't necessarily go, but maybe there's a deal that they made, and maybe that's going to be covered next season where the park gets some money. I don't know, but I've never looked at the picture that deep, so I don't, I don't have any opinion on any of this. <laughs> I've never looked at well, is ready to, to pull out the contracts, honey, for the National Park that don't make and no the <laughs> Baby, we ain't, we aren't, listen, we're not in reality in Chuckalisa world, okay? We're going to move on. All right, sweetie? <laughs> is there any, is there anything else y'all want to talk about uh, besides that? I think that? it's important to talk or about, you... oh, sorry. Go ahead, Char. I think it's important to talk about no. the foreclosure no. being expedited. So that's, like, that's kind of my mm-hmm. second question that I kind of had. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, well, Jai, you, you, Jai, you go ahead, baby, because she's still deciding on this national park. Chunky no, Light said the it's not park. a national park, but Chunky Light said it wasn't a national park. It's city protected forest. There is a difference. Okay, Chunky for Lucky. Uh, come Chunky on, for Lucky. That 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 diagram said national park. I have to go back and look at this diagram that I have never once paid attention to because I ain't never gave a damn about that damn casino. (laughs) But I have to go look at this diagram now because I have never looked at it longer than a second or two on my screen. Okay, girl, Ja, come on, sweetie. Okay, now real quick, and I feel like I got to tap into his. I can't think of her name for some reason. What's the... Who? What's the lady's name? Who was supposed to give the five million to Georgie? Oh, Haley, Georgie. Mm-hmm. So she said, "Remember that water is always going to flow back to where it was." So I'm wondering if, at some point, you know, maybe uh, there was more, you know, like more land underwater. And due to just shifting and changing, you know, or certain things going on, they're actually not just creating a new canal, but, you know, maybe using something that was used to be there to now make it a canal. No, that's anyway, actually that's what true. I always thought, y'all. I always thought that, <laughs> okay, that okay. they were... <laughs> I thought that they were like there was something that was either built over or covered up or something like that. And they are basically uncovering that to reconnect the land to the water. That's what I always thought. But again, I don't care about this damn casino. So I've never thought that. Nobody <laughs> want no damn casino. Baby, Look. baby listen. <laughs> Tia, the way this going, honey, go ahead and make a bonus episode that say National Park versus Forest versus Sedimentation in the land. Because, honey, this became a whole bonus episode right here. Just Absolutely not. 
in no way, oh shape, or form. <laughs> okay. I'm so, tired of the damn casino. Okay. No, so the, what your foreclosure question, Tanika. No, the last thing I had oh, about this please, scene child. was <laughs> was what is Tidal's deeper issue with the pink? Because he told Andre that um, him having a meeting with Corbin at the pink was an attempt to to fuck up his legacy. And I don't get how that is a thing. Like, what is the real root of his problem with the pink? That was my question I'm, about this scene. So two things to what you said. I That scene, I never took him saying that him going to the pink was fucking up his legacy. Him, the way that he's putting the, he's throwing these wrenches into the deal is fucking up his legacy because the platform that, um, Tidell ran on was basically, you know, as the first black mayor, he was going to be the um, the change for Mississippi, or you know, as he said, make it rain down on Mississippi. And this is one of the ways that he can do that, because as we found out later, he's kind of like this Robin Hood. Well, like all the characters, he's got a certain amount of good and bad, a certain amount of angel, a certain amount of devil. So while he's got a lot of his shit, he's there. He is actually there for the people like at his core and what he sees is the casino being a way to do it, which wasn't even possible without Andre. Cause Andre is the one who obviously works for promised land realty or whatever. And then brought it to like, you guys should bring it to check Elisa cause that's his hometown. But I think it's, this is kind of what he's betting his mayoral legacy on is this coming to the, Trail just cracked me up in the comments. I'm sorry. This <laughs> coming to the actual um, Chuck Lisa. So that's with that. I feel like if we're going back, I'm about to give y'all a Koji. If we're going back to him you know being Uncle Clifford's father, mm-hmm. <laughs> him being Uncle Clifford's father, <laughs> maybe he met Beulah at the pink. And he feels like he didn't get the son that he actually wanted. So he has always had the hatred for the pink because he ended up with a non-binary son, essentially, or non-binary child, instead of what he thought would be his heir, like what he's kind of put Andre in the position of. I think that may be the problem with the pink because that's where he met Beulah and he feels like that's a stain on his life legacy more than his mayoral legacy. Mm. Well, ain't you cute? Anyway. <laughs> but that's, a, that's a good but that's a good theory. <laughs> but, but that's a good you know, I flip flop back and forth on whether this mayor Ruffin is the father thing. Big, yeah, because that paradise room it, it got me shook. But I'm convinced now that Andre is definitely just the godson at this point. Because ain't no way they got that whole paradise scene with them two. But I am on board with Ty Dell after this episode. It's something about the pink, the whole staying away from that hood. It got loose lips. Cause see, it was supposed to be a secret baby, and it wasn't. Somebody. Somebody told somebody about that, and I think that right there is what what fucked up his legacy. Because if you have a secret baby, and I don't know, Beulah seems like she's younger. That's an underage child. 
I mean, not you know what I mean. I'm sorry, writer. Uh, I didn't mean it like or that. Or he really loved her, and that was what where he was going to build his family legacy, and then that messed that up, and so he's done this because, like me said, she's got a bunch of sons, but he didn't leave shit to them. Like he didn't leave nothing but to them. But wasn't he married though? So I don't think he was married. No, they always said baby no, mama. No, he went back to his third baby mama mm-hmm. when he had potatoes. Okay, gotcha. Okay, got girl, that name. So maybe okay. his original thought okay. was him and Pula were going to live happily ever after. They had this son, and that was going to be his life. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. Uncle Clifford becomes as fabulous as she is. He couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. And now everything else he's done there has been trying to fill this hole. Yeah that was created when he left Beulah and Uncle Clifford. Mm -hmm. See? Look at that. Yeah, because because when they did the flashback of the club and Uncle Clifford, it was given single mama, yeah, rejected. Mm -hmm. All the love came from Ernestine and Beulah. Okay, Mm y'all. And, Josh, I wanted you to mention, remember you was watching that interview? Well, uh, Tanika posted it. No, Pink Sunday Radio posted it, and how Nico brought up that there was definitely some hints, some hints in the in the show. So, do y'all think right. that is one so, of those hints that 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 he was talking about? Well, I definitely feel like that's what made me almost go back to thinking when I watched that um, interview because. Nico does say that he thinks that if Uncle Clifford got married, she would want the approval of her father and that we definitely would probably go back and look through, you know, season one, you know, that there may be some hints. So so if anybody is actually wondering, like, why is this so whatever, I think that's what made us all go back and go like, well, we all had different thoughts, but it's made it more because I was like, I don't see a single person throughout single season one who seems to stand out that is old enough and or you know that we've seen something that would be like, hmm, that looks except for him, but then except for Tidal, but then there's so many mm-hmm. other things that are kind of like, well, wait a minute, I don't mm-hmm. know about that, you know, so but yeah. It's- yeah, it's funny. It's funny to me how Tidey and Patrice are really parallel with their anger and bitterness for their children. If Tidey is the father, um, both I tell you one thing: both are free and both are living their lives. And both mm-hmm. Patrice and Tidey are trying to take away that, take that away from them. So I was just thinking about that as well. Um, Oh, mm-hmm. also, was it Trail on the timeline that saw the Patrice necklace at the Tidal funeral? Was that Trail that noticed that? I think it was Trail. I know I skipped ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know I skipped ahead, but I was just thinking of that, too. Okay, so we have 53 minutes, y'all. We have spent time on the National Park and, and, and you know, Tidal and everything else. So I think what I want to bring up next, is Patrice not answering the phone um, for Mercedes. And I'm like, man, you show up on her porch, you show up at her dance lessons, you leave her voicemails because she got a tithe for the month, 
However, she ain't answering your calls and you trying to get your money. I think a lot of us on the timeline was like we would have been to the church, we would have been to her house. I was like she, I would have been calling the bank or anything like that. Do y'all have anything to add to um, to that? Not too much, I know, but anything? Well, not really. I feel like we covered that in yeah. pre, you know I, earlier. Like we kind of rounded up a I lot agree. of that Sadie I, Catrice thing right. as we were talking earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so I think we can move on to Mercedes Last Dance, right? Because we we pretty much covered a lot of ground. Um, with the Patrice Last Dance and, and everything. Mercedes Last Dance, y'all. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, this is a lot. Well, first of all, Murder showed up because he was VIP this week, y'all. He was VIP. Um, no, he wasn't. I'm a bit. You know, <laughs> you, you know what? You know what? Do not start. Do not, Tanika. Do not huh? start that shit about murder this week, okay? Listen, I'm um, just saying he he, was, he, did, he wasn't your, on the list. Your, your boy was VIP. He, was he had just called to be. He he just called on and told uh baby, I'm on my way up there, and so Unc already knew to be at the door because. Diamond was gonna be at his grill and all that, so we 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 got murder. So let's let's start let's go with the murder situation right quick before we get into Mercedes having to lead a club and now Mississippi has to shine on the stage. Y'all want to just mix it up at this point? We got fifty one minutes and we got to take off. So what are we starting on? Okay. Okay, then I just said, excuse my language, okay, but I just said, put it in a bag of cats. I gave you a bag. Exactly. I gave you a bag of chips. She gave y'all a bag of chips. Just grab one. I gave y'all a bag of chips, and then y'all just discussed what y'all want to discuss. So what y'all think Diamond was thinking when Aunt came out there and let Wody and and murder ends. Do you think Diamond was thinking, oh, you fucking him? Or do you think Diamond was just confused? I think, I think Diamond was pissed off. He... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Diamond was ready to break a leg all the way up to the kneecap in murder's oh. ass for pressing his line again. And when Unc came out there, like, no, Diamond, you know, this is my little boo thing. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, no, yes. no, it's cool, it's cool, let him in, you know. I just think, I think he was confused because he was like, yo, out. I was about to, because I don't know why. It's something about how. Before I break your fucking Diamond mouth, nigga. I break your break. fucking mouth. I was like, oh, yes. And I love murder, you know what I'm saying? But I was like, break his fucking mouth. I love it. Oh, yeah. The aggression was like, Ooh, oh, okay, anyway, <laughs> I like a little violent sometimes. My bad. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. No, nah, that shit was hot. That okay. shit was hot. I co-signed. That shit was hot as fuck. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and then that added. It was how he enunciated it. All of it. Yeah. Bad yeah, grill. Was I was like, ooh. Yeah, him dragging murder for that girl oh. is what did it for me, personally. Um, <laughs> but I think Pico, when I really paid attention, sometimes I watch their facial expressions. So what's always confused me is, like, I'm watching their facial expressions, right, and Murda, 
is looking at Uncle Clifford, I never can read what exactly, when she says, no, let him on in, I can never really read Murder's face, but I noticed, that, like, I'm looking at it, I'm like, what is he thinking in this moment? But Pico, you know, it's really brief, but Pico gives a look like, wait, nigga, what? What if Benson came? What this about? I feel like that's when Pico might have first kind of had some thoughts because he gives a real quick look, kind of like, "Nigga, why she come out here to, you know, save you?" Do you think you felt that or saw that? Because I don't think think that's where Pico first had the thoughts because Mm -hmm. that's a big jump. If that's the first interaction and that's the first time you have to thought, that's a big jump. I think however Pico found out that murder sexuality, he is he's already either known or suspected and that may have been may have like it may have been rumors. Like cause it depends on whether or not you think Pico had the tape at that point. And I'm not sure if I I think he had the tape at that point, but if he's heard the rumors about murder and then all of a sudden you got this beautiful non-binary person coming out that everyone else mm, in the club mm. is like giving murder. They ask the kiss and the owner's like, no, nah, they can come on in, VIP, skip the line and stuff like that. Whatever Pico knew or had heard before then, I think this was the confirmation. Now, what got him to do that fuck shit later, I don't know, but this was the confirmation. I agree. I think... Streets had already been whispering, and he had heard some things. I think Unc coming out here and basically ushering them in the front door is kind of what gave Pico the courage to say what he said later on. But I don't think this is what put the idea into Pico's mind. I think he already knew that. I'm still not convinced that he ever had the tape, but I think he had already heard those rumors about murder and had just never had the courage to say anything until later on when he was mad in the club. Yeah, I mean, the madness in the club, the shaking of the leg, the, I mean, these guys really just, I don't even know, but murder trying to get his song played. And then, you know, of course, DJ never said, like, uh, nah, man, because last time, I'm not even trying to fuck that up. Because we all know, he fuck up, Mercedes ain't going to give him that money. Give DJ never scared his little nightly fee or whatever. So he goes over there, which, you know, with murder, I just really feel like he don't think. His ego, I've said this 50 million times, because it's like, bruh, how you thought you was about to just go to the CFC like that? Mercedes is in their little VIP section, and you just like, yeah, Mercedes, can I talk to you? So I don't know how he thought that, but he did. And, I mean, if he got a chance to ask Sadie that, like, did he really think that she was going to say yes? I think I mean, he did. I think he thought so. <laughs> I don't I, – I mean, because this is murder, murder thoughts <laughs> – this on my lap was not reggae soul, <laughs> and Mercedes was finna dance to it. So hell yeah! You know oh my saying? god! Because, you know what? Because she was dancing to sit on my lap. He damn sure thought she was gonna dance to Fallen all day. 
No way because he didn't think that. Wody, then he tell Wody, uh, he was like, she, when she hit his new chat, she ain't going to wait. What? She can't wait to talk to him. She going to beg to say to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she going to be begging. Like, baby, he, he just knew he had that winner. He had the winner. So um, he goes back. I want to know. Show, of course, go ahead. Baby, you I want to know why if Pico if Pico was so buck like murder is across the room, May stands up. Murder had time to calmly be like, "Yo, I'm rocking Gucci, right?" If Pico was so yeah. hard, why he ain't get his bitch ass up and go over there with murder and have his back when May and the the Naked Chief crew. <laughs> you know, <laughs> was bucking up oh, to him. Murder literally stood ten toes down by his motherfucking self. They always, they're all the way across the club, like, and it's loud as fucking there. Like you saw them get, like, get up, but Pico has no idea what was said. <laughs> like, right, that's what had, I like. Who told you like, what, what the conversation was? He just walked up. You don't know what happened. He might. Shit, it, it could have been murder in the wrong. It wasn't, but it, it's like you didn't even get the any type of you just mad to be mad. And I don't know if mm-hmm. that's maybe his big brother Lante, and maybe something has happened from there or something like that. Because that was always with me. Like it's loud as fuck. They can barely hear each other sitting next to each other almost because it's like all the sounds. People is rubbing on murder. It's all types of shit happening mm-hmm. in this moment. And he's sitting up there, the legs are shaking. I always thought that was weird. And I'm so curious as to how Murder and Pico became friends because Pico seems like he has been a murder hater from, like, day one. So I don't know if that's, like, a keep your enemies close thing because he's always seen out of place. Like, he never seemed like like these were his brothers, even from the very first time we saw them in VIP. Mm-hmm. Never seemed like these were, it, it always seemed like he was trying to be Buck or get Buck, or he was more mm-hmm. a loner that just happened to be with them. I have a theory yeah, I that I just came that. up with last night. Oh. I, I oh. think in order to be a CFC member, you have to first love murder until you hate him, and then that's your initiation <laughs> <laughs> into the, the CFC nation, right? Because Maine is always given, I love you, but I want to kill you. You know what I'm saying? Um, we got, uh, what's his name? Oh, my God. Jericho. Well, Jericho's uh, still a lover. Jericho, Jericho don't hate him. Jericho, he don't hate him. Jericho, Jericho still loves very much murder. Ooh. And then we know Pico that's was murder's lackey. Until he joined CFC. So one thing I see in common is I love murder so much, but, <laughs> but I, I got to kill and that's him. The, and, and that's, that's the crazy part, the too. Because, but that's the crazy part for me. Like, um, you know, in my world, anyway, you can't jump. You can't jump set to set like that. You know what I'm saying? So I'm assuming like ever. Because, because Maine, um, you know, had so much hatred for him. He was like, yeah, y'all can be affiliated. Yeah, Pico, you can be affiliated. Let's hate murder together. But I'm just like, dude, where I'm from, bro? You can't jump that set. So I never understood uh, well, how you just, what you just said it in. 
Maine, Maine had his ass in jail when Pico joined the gang. So Maine didn't have nothing to do with that. When he was still locked up. Well, either way. See, but I'm saying, <laughs> CFC in general. CFC in general then. Like, I, I've never known that to be realistic. I've but never again. known anybody to be able to jump like that. And so mm-hmm. this is something that job made me just think of. Because y'all know the movie Stomp the Yard, right? When mm-hmm. they the the two frats were try, were basically competing for Columbus Short's character, I forget what his name is, and then he ended up picking the thetas over the other people. Maybe murder, like when he was looking for a gang or whatever, he was supposed to do CFC. Like they maybe Maine had tried to recruit him, and then he ended up going with HBH, and that and Maine has always held a secret grudge against him for going with HBH instead of CFC. Because they're foster brothers. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. You two for two tonight. Let's go. You job. Thank you so much. Okay, so... Let's move on to Mercedes gets the call, um, and, yeah, we discussed that earlier, but she gets the call, so it's time to, for her to hot tail it out. Um, Autumn does mention, which is something they say so often in this show, about turning a door into a window, window, whatever, whatever. Um, do y'all want to add anything to that, or can we go on to Mercedes not showing the nigga quick line? And sip stepping up because we, we only have thirty nine minutes. Um, okay, cool, let's cool, just cool. get on to the good part. Let's let's get on to the okay. Let me go ahead and remove the page because okay, girlies. Um, so murder got the boot. He outside. He hear his song. Cliff. When she was in the DJ booth, and I think somebody said this last night, when she was doing her little bop, 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 and was listening to the lyrics, she knew that song was for her, right? I have two minds with this. Either she knows the song is for her, which I don't think. I don't think she knew the song was for her. What I do think Mm -hmm. is in whatever they have had to have done off screen, because they have to have done some shit off screen at this point, Mm -hmm. she has heard the rough cut of Fallen and gave, this is so this is all in my mind. She heard the rough cut of Fallen and gave murder some actual how to do it from from when they had the kitchen scene and then now and mm-hmm. gave murder some like what to do and then when she heard it she was like oh shit he actually like listened to me and did what i said and this shit is a bop and i feel like she really yeah. went out there just to be like you know yo that that shit is hot congratulations you listen yes. to me awesome and then when he was yes. like, that shit about you, she lost it and was like, prove it then, nigga. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but that's how, that's, how, that's how I first felt, though. I felt mm-hmm. it was that, what you just said, but then I started on the timeline, and I was like, mm, okay, let me ask the girls and see what they think. But, yeah, it was time to prove it. Um, mm, I mm, I just want to know why Murder keeps hitting her against this table so hard. He did it in 209. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but, baby, he be extra aggressive. Okay, I 
Murder say he Anybody a, a lion. Oh, I would say the he's thing. a beast and he is a lion. So when he got, <laughs> you know, when it was attack time, that beast came out and brother could control himself. He ran sis right onto that damn table. <laughs> and it didn't seem like it was an expected response either. So I really want to ask Katori, the writer, somebody, was that actually in the script? Hit her hard as fuck because <laughs> Nico, I feel like Nico kind of was like, damn, nigga, okay. Uh, all right, I'm going to go I it. totally go feel like it. that from the first time that I watched it. I don't see, I have too much. I'm like, was it not in the script at all in Prime's improv because he does a lot of improv or it was in the script but not how he did it. And Nico was like, wait a minute, young man. (laughs) (laughs) I think just to to slap somebody on the ass in improv is a lot. (laughs) So I don't know if he jumped to that for improv, but Nico definitely turned around real quick, like that's much. So I don't know if all of that was in the script. Murder reached into yesterday and slapped Uncle Clifford's ass into tomorrow. <laughs> he so that I feel like it's just, <laughs> that one I feel like caught hell. Baby, I feel like it might have been in the script, print. but that big ass hand was just like, bow. Because <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I when really, they both laugh like, about Nico it, it popped up like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then just went back into the lines, like, keep it going, keep it going. I really feel like both of their laughs, about it seem very genuine. Like when she's, ooh. <laughs> ooh. Like I feel like that's that, that brain having that hiccup where you're trying to stay in the thing, but at the same time, you're like, nigga, I want to knock your ass out. <laughs> I think they both broke character for like a quick second. Yep. Like, oh, yeah. And then went right back. Because yeah, they're right like the table and laugh. And I'm like, that's hilarious. Yeah, for sure. I think somebody, who was that on the timeline that was like, where the condom came from? Something like that. And I'm like, uh, he's favorite. Like air. murder. <laughs> where that condom came from. Thin he is a magician. Yeah, murder stays ready. I think uh, I think he knew that night too. But, um, oh, 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 baby. I noticed the wig kind of shifted a bit, you know, on that jukebox. <laughs> the wig was kind of. <laughs> Baby murder, Uncle Clifford, and that jukebox had a threesome. Because <laughs> it wasn't just murder, Uncle Clifford. It was murder, Uncle, and that and that jukebox. They had a threesome. Baby. It was crazy. The jukebox, baby. The biggest thing about he had the. She had the Leah swoop, you know, the whole little Leah hat going, but baby, on that jukebox bitch, that shit had shifted, that it was flipped to the side. So, in other words, Ooh. he did adjust her wig. He did. He did. <laughs> he did adjust he did. her fucking wig. <laughs> and I had said earlier, I wanted to know why he didn't get in her ass at the door, but, you know. <laughs> He was waiting yeah. for later. <laughs> wait, wait. So maybe that was some of the aggression here 
is that remember when I wasn't on that VIP list? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or no, Tia. Remember how you remember how you always say you ain't want this bit like that. So maybe that was the added aggression too, because now she said prove it then. So he was like, yeah, yeah, I've been holding mm-hmm. this in since paradise. He was like, oh, you want it now, huh? Oh, all right. Car, why you ain't want this dick? <laughs> okay. Okay, listen, y'all. Okay, look, it's 30 minutes left. I know Framley got something to say. Do yes, we want to go wait. ahead and take Okay, okay, cool. Before we do that, though, we're going to drop the NAACP, and then that'll be, yeah, so then 30 minutes, family, we're going to let y'all hit this, and then we're going to, it's time to open up the phone lines, okay? So put your hands to the dial, and the host call in, not the host call in, sorry, the guest call in is 515-602-9773, All right, let's pause. What's up, Pink Posse? Have you heard the word? P-Valley has been nominated for several NAACP Image Awards. Those categories are Outstanding Drama Series, Outstanding Actor, Nico Onan, Outstanding Actress, Brandi Evans, Outstanding Supporting Actor, J. Alphonse Nicholson, Outstanding Supporting Actress, Loretta Devine, as well as Outstanding Soundtrack slash Compilation Album. Now, family, this is what I need you to do. Go to vote.naacpimageawards.net. You have until February 10th until the poll closes. Remember, one vote per email. The show will air live on BET February 25th, 2023. Thank you and congratulations to Pete Valley. You deserve it. So that was a good pause. We're at the 30-minute, 21-second mark. I just want to remind everybody, like Josh said in the beginning, make your thoughts concise. We want to have a key key with you, but we also want to let everybody get a chance to speak. So, again, the guest calling number is 515-062-9773. By the way, y'all need to program that in y'all phones because we aren't going anywhere, okay? Just plug it in, and then let's get to it, Okay. So, does anybody have anything else to say while we are waiting on phone calls? Um, okay. No, not really. My mind drew a blank instantly. Like, <laughs> which isn't as funny okay. as what we've been talking about. But... So I don't know that I've really seen any of these actors, like, before the show and getting to know them in pretty much anything else, except for, of course, Isaiah Washington. And I don't know if I pay attention, but I would say this whole from finding out that his song was playing to everything with Unc, this is the scenes that I was like, 
But Jay, okay, you guys, I we was have like, a call. I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry to cut you off, please. Okay? Right, because we, we ain't going to wait no more. <laughs> <laughs> um, 786, welcome to the show. Who is this? Hello, this is Tisha. Hey. hey, Keisha, how are you? Hey, hey, hey. Are you in the chat? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, cool. So what do you want to discuss with us today? I wanted to talk about the little murder and Clifford scene. Okay. Because he really was about to have my good twist discombobulated. How hard he was hitting her. He was manhandling my sis, and it was just too much. But I mean, I'm happy for her, though. Oh, I am. Like, I think she liked it. She deserved it. Like, yeah, he was rough. I don't feel like it was too much for her. I feel like it was the right amount of much for my good sis. I agree. She needed that chimney okay. clean, baby. It had been a minute. You know what I'm saying? So. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, my she needed what? The who-who watch out? What she needed? <laughs> what? She, what? She, she, she said her chimney clean. <laughs> <laughs> you so know, murder, so murder, now was Santa Claus. murder was Santa Claus. Okay, gotcha. Not Santa Claus. <laughs> hey, he did drop that package, though, right? Okay, okay. He did. I agree. I would. My bad, y'all. My bad. It is Sunday. Oh, my God. Okay. Keisha. Keisha, you know how we do. Um, You want to add anything else, Boo? No. I just wanted to say that. Okay. Well, thank you for calling. This is the first time you called, right? Thank you for calling. Yeah. Yeah, appreciate it. I'm kind of nervous. We'll be back next week. Well, call us back. We'll be back next week. Call us back. Okay. All right. Okay. Bye, Keisha. Bye. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Uh, The chimney. Really? Yeah, I'm going to be teasing you all week, y'all. Okay. I love when you get like this, though. I love it. I love it. Okay, does anybody else want to? Does anybody else want to um, give us a call? Kendra, I know you're dealing with a lot. Chunky, we hope you feel better. Uh, pretty. Who else else in here? Tanzania. Um, I love. You know, some of y'all names be killing me. Loving my three babies. Oh, that's cute. Feel free. We can also discuss, I mean, so during this scene with Lil Murda and Uncle Clifford in the office, we also have the mm-hmm. beautiful um, Keyshawn rising above those earlier mm. feelings of I'm only just pretty, I do not have talent. I think this was um, a beautiful splice. And I know a lot of people were kind of, like, shook up. Like, when I first got into P-Valley, and I was watching all, like, the videos and stuff like that, I saw some comments in different places where people were, some people were frustrated and they were upset that the sex scene between Uncle Clifford and Lil Murda took place during um, Mississippi's dance, um, but mainly because of their uncomfortability with uh, 
um, Uncle Clifford and Wilmerta, but others thought it was beautiful, and I did as well. I actually loved it because I think it was brilliant, and Nico did talk about this in an interview of how um, Uncle Clifford's body movements is also in alignment with what Keyshawn is doing on the pole. I think this was brilliantly shot. I loved um, both. I, I, it was so much to take in that first time. And, um, again, the, the beauty of Keyshawn, you know, on the pole and Uncle Clifford on on the pole, um, that was <laughs> brilliant. I mean, yeah. I think. That was a that was amazing, and I said last night that I thought Keyshawn had that routine in her flaw in her back pocket because the way she mm-hmm. gracefully touched that pole and started swinging, and I mean it was just so beautiful. It just feels like she knew at, at, at one time or another I'm going to shine, and that was she didn't know the music, of course, but she's so talented that she was able to. Um, just performed beautifully. So um, shout out to Shannon Thornton because when she was on here last week, she discussed how they um, took pole classes and everything else. And like she said, I can go somewhere and perform that. Which I was like, okay, Shannon. So do you have anything to add to you, Tanika? What I was saying before this, um, this scene is this is the first time like this. These scenes with um, Fonz and this is all spliced together are the ones that made me like go look him up because I had never seen him in anything before. And just even his mannerisms when he was like, that's my song. And we sat down and smoked a cigarette and everything mm-hmm. else. I was like, who the fuck mm-hmm. is this kid acting, <laughs> acting on my screen right now? And then, of course, like initially, like because his with Uncle Clifford was just so realistic like the mannerisms and everything mm-hmm. else and I you know of course like most people I, you know I don't know so I was like well is he gay is he not gay and then I found out I said oh this motherfucker is acting acting like he's taking he acting, and, acting and what he said in an interview one of the interviews he did he said um Will Smith um that first film he did I forget the name of it He's talking six about degrees six separation. degrees of separation. Yeah, six degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. Will Smith, when he ever talks about that film, because that was his very first film, and the story about how he ended up in that film is hilarious. Um, well, not hilarious. It's kind of um, deep because that wasn't the first film that he got offered. And the one that he got offered before mm-hmm. that, it would have paid him much more, but his manager didn't think it was right for him. And he got paid, like, less than he's ever made on anything to do six degrees of separation, but his management said this is the one. But one of the things Will said, he hated that he didn't go all out in that role. Like he did it, but he didn't go all out. He didn't mm-hmm. put it all on the line. And so J. Alphonse Nicholson said when he actually heard him say that, that was one of the things that he committed to as Little Murder, particularly with the scenes mm-hmm. with Uncle Clifford, that he was going to go all out and not leave anything on the table. And he 100% did. He did that, oh my and God. I appreciate that. I agree. That really showed yeah. his range. Mm-hmm. And and also, I will say, as someone from the LGBTQ community, um, I feel like I think one of the things he expressed as well is not wanting to disrespect the community or not wanting to come off fake or whatever. So I, I'm when I see him act, I am just truly 
in awe and I appreciate how much work he puts into the character, how vulnerable he is, how open he is, because I know that a lot of these things are, you know, can be difficult. So I appreciate how he takes care of murder. He takes care of him. Right. So go ahead, yeah. um, Tanika. I definitely um, appreciate how much he's committed to the role because um, when I go back and, you know, pull up tweets, you know, from Katori and look mm-hmm. at his timeline, mm-hmm. you know, from back there, I see some of the, the comments from, I'm not going to say Pink Posse, but the people that watch P-Valley, and I, I'm sure mm-hmm. some of the comments are, are hard for him to see and read. So I appreciate how much he has really committed to Lil Murder. Um, as for what Tia was saying, I, I don't remember at which point I like went back and searched and realized that he was not in the LGBT community and that he had a wife. It definitely wasn't at this point in the season, but I don't remember when I personally did that and found that out. Okay. Do y'all want to add to the Mississippi part at all um i will say about not not specifically about her on stage but about that conversation that she had with um with mercedes before she went on stage before mercedes ran out to go see her mother about how mercedes was strong and she was only pretty i think To me, like, I refuse to believe that Katori is telling a story where that conversation ends right there. Like, I think, like, that is the foundation of Keyshawn's story arc, this idea that she is going to eventually come to realize exactly how strong she is, which is why the constant narrative of someone needing to come and rescue Keyshawn is always aggravating to me, because I think we are going on a journey to show Keyshawn um, that she has all the tools that she needs to rescue herself. So the constant mm-hmm. um, Wody needs to come and save Keyshawn or I can't wait to Diamond gets out the trunk so that he can rescue Keyshawn is not what's happening here at all. It's Keyshawn learning that she can rescue herself. So this this conversation in the locker room is is it was very important to me as far as how I see Keyshawn. I the agree. conversation. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. No, I was just gonna say I think I'm in between. I would like Keyshawn to save herself, of course, because I definitely think it's important for women to see themselves as their own saviors and not damsels in distress who need saving. Although I think it's also important that to note that a lot of women do not feel protected sometimes, and it would be nice to have someone mm-hmm. to value, you know, to say, hey, this is not okay, and I will not stand for it for those who do not feel strong enough. But I would like to see Keyshawn save herself, but I still would, after that, love for someone to just, a couple people or something, just do Derek dirty. I just need both of those satisfactions. That's all. <laughs> like, I think after Keyshawn says herself, someone should just put the cherry on top and uh, do Derek in. Right. 
So once she saves herself from Derek, so I feel like at this point in her life, Keyshawn has more or less been taught that she can't trust men on some level because I feel like her dad kind of betrayed her and picked the stepmom and the new kids over her because the fact that her dad, it was just her and her dad before the stepmom or whatever happened where this is her dad, but she's in this relationship with Derek. She doesn't live in the house anymore. Now they helped with the duplex or whatever, but the idea that, they were pretty, her dad was pretty much done with her, it seems, because it doesn't seem like currently the dad is in her life. So that relationship is sour. Then the next real male relationship she has is Derek, which we see what happens. I agree that she wants to save, that she should save herself, but I would also like to see some healing where there is a man that okay, comes into her life. Pause. Don't mean to cut you off. Please pause. We have another call. Hi, 804 Erico. Welcome to the show. Who is this? <laughs> Hello? Hello. Hi. This is Brittany. Who is this? Hey. Hey, Brittany. Brittany. Hi, Brittany. Hey. <laughs> hey. Hey. Okay, I got a question. Because this has been sitting with me since I watched the first, like, watched this episode. Um. The guy from the beginning, um, the one that was talking to Keyshawn, this, like, this is my thing. Why is the guy even there if he's, like, feeling that way about strippers? Right, exactly. Why is your ass even now? Yeah, I totally I'm agree with that. I think and maybe then, in his daytime life he, he doesn't feel... Nope. Right. Important. And Maybe he has so a job where he's the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. So he'll go there to make himself feel better. Yeah. And then okay, turn around, he's back in there again when when Keyshawn was Keyshawn was to the sun. So maybe he has a kink, a like a degradation kink of some sort, like where. He, mm-hmm. part of his experience at the club is degrading the women. Like, he is there for the entertainment, but part of his, mm-hmm. part of his enjoyment is while he's there, he's also going to make them feel like crap, even though he is utilizing them for entertainment and for whatever he needs. So there may be a kink in there that he, that, that he's there for until we get to this actual scene with Keyshawn at the end of this where it's like he can't even it, he can't even degrade her because she's just blowing it out the water. Um, well, also, I wanted to add, too, about that. I'm sorry, Britt. Also, I wanted to add to that is, you know, a lot of men don't like strong women, right? They, mm-hmm. they, they feel there's an insecurity there with men. I mean, and women, I guess, too, but there's an insecurity there um, when they feel like they don't have the agency to run everything. And when you are at a strip club, you have a, um, how do I want to say this, you, you feel like you are in complete control. 
You have all the power. I can throw these dollars at you. I can try to disrespect you. Luckily, the club have diamonds, so you ain't going to fucking try it. But I feel like that's a that's a reality in this world, like, for real. Like how they say, you, you have too much education. You too smart. Your mouth too smart. You bitter. You this. You that. No, I'm just a strong woman, you know? So I, that, that's just mm-hmm. my opinion on that. Uh, go ahead, Brooke. Okay. You want to add anything about the murder, murdering? Uh, <laughs> I don't have enough time today because I'm still at work. But uh, oh, I will call next okay. week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you, doll. Thank you. Thank you so much for thank calling. For calling. <laughs> we got some callers this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, bye. Uh, okay, bye, dear. Well, we got John Sam One in the chat all the way from Southeast Europe. Thanks oh, for tuning in. Oh, wow. John Sam One, thank you. East Europe, we love that. Thank you so much for joining us. I don't think we've ever seen this person in the chat, right? First time chat? I think yep. so. Mm-hmm. I think so. Okay. Well, John Sam One, if you are on uh, Twitter, we have that re re watch um, every Saturday, 11 p.m. Central, 12 a.m. midnight Eastern. And I know with your time change, that may be a little bit much, but feel free to join us over there as well. Okay, so we have 11 minutes until we are no longer live. So we do want to, if anybody wants to call, we want you to have your thoughts on live. So. The guest call in again is 515-602-9773. Like I said, program that shit in your phone because we will be here till season three and beyond that. So it's going to be the same number, same number. Okay. All right. So did we want to discuss anything? um, Because, Tia, before I picked up Britt's call, what were you saying? Because I may have to interrupt you again. I'm sorry. While I want her to save herself, and that I think this first part is definitely giving us that, I also would like to see, once she's healed, a man to come in her life and show her that she doesn't always have to save herself, and that can mm-hmm. rebuild her trust in men. Diamond may have had a little bit of that, but there was so much trauma and stuff in their relationship, but whatever next relationship that she has, or whatever do comes, I want to see that as well because I think as black women, there's too much of we have to save ourselves where uh-huh. you don't always see that in other places. I want her to know I can save myself, mm-hmm. but somebody else, another man has got me too. Yes. I yes. agree. Indeed. I think we need to start seeing that more amongst our community because I see so much every day the argument men versus women, and I would love to see more reconciliation between black men and black women and getting back to those places of love and protection and support amongst each other and not only when it comes to, I guess, not wanting um, other women to have black men you know, but just a natural love and appreciation no matter who you're dating between black and um, men and women. So I agree. 
So um, both Tia and Ja have said that they want to see um, another man come in and show Keyshawn that she can be protected. Do neither one of you think that they're going to continue down the storyline with her and Diamond? I surely hope not. <laughs> you know, I'm on the fence about this one. Okay. I, um, I was really feeling the energy between Diamond and Mississippi. I love how tender he is with her and how attentive, and I love how she does seem to feel safe. Um, within him, and he has that desire to make her feel safe. So I do love that um, energy, but I feel like not right away because she has to have some time to heal. But I do feel like Diamond is able to be as as aggressive as he is, you know, when he's on the line. He's very gentle and very um, soft with her. And so I think if anyone that we've seen so far can – do that and give her that softness, I think it would definitely be Diamond. I've said this before. Um, I always feel like their relationship, whatever, what have you, is a trauma bond. And I, you know, and this may be my own life experiences and projection and stuff like that, but I just don't ever see anything good from relationships that are built on trauma bonds. So to with Diamond and his PTSD and and shoot Key and her PTSD from being abused and just all the issues she has, I don't like them. Of course, in their current forms as a couple, me personally, I think that Keyshawn will heal. Like I think that she will save herself. She will heal. She will do that. I don't think Diamond ever will. I I don't think he's ever going to get the help or ever um, internalize it in a way that has them healed. And even if he did, I'm not sure if they would be as interested in each other without the trauma bond. So maybe if they show that to me, but right now I've never shipped them, which I've said everywhere, because I just, I don't think they'd make a good couple. But again, this TV, so I might be thinking to real life yeah. for this TV relationship. I think I think if Diamond gets out of that trunk, hell, he's gonna go to therapy. I think his whole like outlook on a lot of things will change after he gets out of this trunk. However, that happens. I'm hoping that him and Keyshawn can save themselves. To be honest, because I think that would be pretty cool if if somehow they set it up to where because he, he can't, baby. I don't understand Diamond. He didn't. I mean. The way you, the way he manhandles people at the club, you would think he could get a little bit more few licks in or something. I just knew he was gonna conquer them. I just knew. And when that didn't happen, um, yeah. So I don't know. I think he gonna click out in that PTSD moment he's having. That, mm-hmm. or he's gonna have to like uh, finesse Big Bone into mm-hmm. setting him free. But I could definitely see, because a lot of times when people go into those flashback moments, they're not really cognizant of mm-hmm. where they are, right? So I definitely right. feel right. like in that flashback moment, they might open that trunk and and uh, Diamond think he, back at whatever war he was in prior to, Lord Jesus. And, yeah. and come out that jam. So I think it's not yeah. too late for that. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but... Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I can, uh, me, before we, because we're going into the last five minutes, so we want to wrap it up, but me did say I'm done with Diamond and Key. Too much has happened. I can't get over pulling the gun. So uh-huh. that was me's opinion on that, um, which that's interesting. Okay, so we have less than five minutes now, and I want to give a huge, huge shout-out because the chat was popping, and we have a new person in the chat, John Sam One. Thank you. Um, I think this show was a success today. We had a couple of callers. Thank you so much, John Tisha and Britt, for calling in. Do you guys want to add anything or Oh, we good. We can move on. Well, I'm going to go ahead and close us out then. It's Tia. Um, Tia down in the valley on Instagram, Minnie is Max on Twitter. Make sure you guys are keeping up with everything on Twitter because all that we're doing will be announced first on Twitter. Tanika, what you got? Tanika, you on mute, baby? Oh, am I on mute? <laughs> <laughs> I sure was. Now, see, now I can't laugh at Koji for doing it. <laughs> hey, thank you. It thank always happens. It do. Around. Karma always comes. Yep. Okay, I am mm-hmm. at your girl Jiggy on Twitter and Instagram. <clears throat> um, if you don't already follow uh, um, Pink Sunday Radio on Instagram, go ahead and do that. Also, um, if you have time, stop by pinksundayradio.com. Leave us a five-star review. If you have a little extra time, leave us a five-star written review. Um, PinkSundayRadio.com, that takes you to Apple Podcasts. Shout-out to whoever left, left us a five-star written review this week on Apple Podcasts. You said we were a fire show. We appreciate you. You didn't leave your name, so I don't, I don't know who you are, but thanks so much for that. Uh, ja, what do you got? All right. Um, you can find me on Instagram at ja underscore the underscore goddess. You can find me on Twitter as Ja the Goddess. You can find me in Alphonse's Live as Jay the Goddess. But um, <laughs> make sure make sure you keep your FBI eyes open um, for our bonus content because we want to keep giving y'all, you know, little gifts. You all are such a gift to us. And so, without further ado, Koji, where can they find you? They can find me in the street. No, but for real. Um, <laughs> on Twitter, Instagram, I am Koji Mama. I can't even remember if there's an underscore or not. Either way, if you put in Koji and Mama, I will come up. Um, I am very, very happy with this episode, girls. Y'all did amazing. I also want to make sure, because I will be on your ass every damn day about this because there are no excuses. Our people were nominated, so we need to see them under the lights on the stage, okay? If they don't win, that's because we didn't hustle. We didn't get out there canvassing, okay? So I don't care what y'all have to do. Go through your Google, your Gmail, and grab them emails, and because and, I did that. So anyway, NAACP. Vote, vote.naacpimageawards.net. There are six categories that P-Valley is nominated in, so I need y'all to handle that. Okay? So we'll be back 
Next Go week, same time, same place. Yeah. Uh, Trell said okay. that was her that left the five star review this week. <gasps> oh, thanks, Trell. Thank you, Pretty T thirty four in you. the chat. All right. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate y'all for listening to the show. You can find us on Blog Talk Radio by using the link bit.ly slash Pink Sunday. For Apple Podcasts, go to PinkSundayRadio.com. Make sure after listening to the replay, you leave a five-star rating in the review, as well as a subscribe. For Google Podcasts, go to PinkSundayRadio.com slash Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify at PinkSundayRadio.com slash Spotify. Hope to see y'all at the next episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.